How's everybody doing this morning? Not a lot of announcements, so that was pretty quick. <laughs> so this morning we are in week five of this series, and the series is called Bridge to Freedom. And more specifically, we've been talking about how that bridge, when you think of any kind of bridge, and specifically here on the Cape, we're well aware of the bridges and how that works. A bridge is something that causes you or helps you to go from one place to another. Ultimately, it's taking you over things, whether it be water, whether it be a valley or other things, to get across there a little bit easier. And when we think about our Christian faith, we think of grace as that bridge to get us from the place we are today to the place that we want to be. So over these last several weeks, we've been talking about different aspects of grace and how it works in our lives. And a couple of those things that we've been talking about is, number one, saving grace. Any one of us who have sensed God's forgiveness or grace at work in our lives where all the things that we've done in the past have been wiped away or clean, and we feel that freedom that comes with grace, knows exactly what that feels like. But then there's also grace for the moment. There's that sustaining grace. Then in the midst of anything that we face, even when we think about the world today, and even as we think about the things that we've been facing as a nation, that God's saving grace is there to meet us in every moment of our lives, even those that are difficult and challenging. Last week we heard from uh, the Bloom Ministry in Buzzards Bay, who is that branch of Teen Challenge, and we heard great testimonies about girls who have experienced God's, ex God's saving grace in their lives, and they have been saved, and they're priceless, and they're forgiven, and they're justified, and they are made right with God. And we also heard of God's sustaining grace in their lives. How God is, in the, even in the process of bringing them to a, a different place and bringing them through the tough things of their lives. And they all have pretty powerful testimonies about what they've been through up to this point. And it's amazing how you can, when you can combat the lies of the world with the truth of God's word, how that transforms and changes lives. And that's what we saw in their lives God was giving them grace sufficient for the moment to help them get through, to help them work through whatever family situations they're going through or work through the lies that the enemy had been uh, telling them over those years that just stayed there in their minds. So saving grace and sustaining grace become that bridge to freedom, become that bridge from one place where we are today to the place that we want to be. But as recipients of God's grace, what do we do with it? If we have God's grace, what do we then do with that same grace that we have? Is there anything expected of us with that same grace? There's a woman named Victoria Rivolo, and she knows what to do with this grace. I don't know if you ever heard this story, but Victoria was driving to her niece's voice recital, and she passed another car that was driven by a 19-year-old Ryan Cushing. Cushing was riding with five other teenagers in his vehicle, and had just stolen a credit card, and they went on a little spending spree. On that spending spree, they purchased a frozen turkey, which Cushing decided to throw onto oncoming traffic. The 20-pound projectile smashed through Rivolo's windshield, crushing her face. The violent prank left her in ICU. She survived, but only after doctors wired her jaw affixed one eye using synthetic film and bolted titanium plates to her cranium. She can't look in the mirror without a reminder of her hurt. 
On October 17, 2005, Rivolo attended Cushing's sentencing and asked the judge for leniency. Part of her statement read this. Despite all the fear and the pain, I have learned from this horrific experience that I have much to be thankful for. Each day when I wake up, I thank God simply because I'm alive. I sincerely hope you have also learned from this awful experience, Ryan. There is no room for vengeance in my life, and I do not believe in a long, hard prison term would do any good for you, for me, or society. Cushing, who wept and expressed remorse for his action, walked over and she embraced him. He was sentenced to six months in jail. He could have gotten 25 years if it wasn't for Rivolo, who intervened. She allowed grace to shape her response. She put it this way, God gave me a second chance at life, and I passed it on. See, this is what we do with grace. Because we've received grace, we give it. Because we receive grace, we give it. We extend that grace to others. Now, maybe this morning you weren't hit with a turkey, but maybe you're married to one. Maybe you work for one, or maybe you got left by one. <laughs> but what do you do with that? What do you do with that life experience? The first thing we need to do is to remind ourselves of God's grace in our lives. Remember where we were before God's grace impacted who we were, who it, we'd become. So what does that mean? It means that we become a receiver of grace. Now there's this parody of a song. Uh, you may have heard the song done by the monkeys in 1966. Song called, I am a believer. I'm a believer. Anybody recognize that song? <laughs> there was a band uh, when I was in a uh, youth pastor in Worcester called Apologetics that took that same song and made it a little more Christian. So, it, of course, it was, I'm a receiver. I could, or, he couldn't leave me if he tried, or something like that. I, some, I think it was more like, when I saw his grace, now I'm a receiver. <laughs> I couldn't leave him if I tried. How many of us have been a receiver of his grace? So if you, let me see those hands again. If you raise your hand, you have to sing now. I'm just telling you. Right? So I'm going to sing it. I'm going to start it. When I saw his grace. Whoa. So you're going to sing, I'm a receiver. Let's try that again. Maybe I had to be more specific. I'm sorry. When I saw his grace. Okay, that's better. All right, good. So in the parable we're going to read this morning, we've been a receiver of God's grace. He's worked in our lives. We came, just as we sang a few moments earlier, we came just as we were in that moment. We came to Christ with all the sin and the junk and the brokenness, and we laid it before his throne, and he changed and made us something new. And because of that, we become the receiver of his grace. But in this particular parable this morning, we hear about a man who received just as much grace in his life. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 27, if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along there. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, 
a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt, and he let him go. Isn't this a great picture this morning? Who is that servant with the debt that he could never pay? That servant represents you and represents me and represents the the weight and the debt of our sin beyond what we could ever begin to pay. We can never do enough good to become good enough to be saved. We can never do enough to make up for all that we owe. Maybe we stood before God at one point and we bargained with him. He said, God, I'll pay it all back, I promise. I'm going to pay it back with my life. I'm going to make a promise, a pledge to you that I'm going to serve you the rest of my days. I'll pay it back by going on the mission field. I'll pay it back by going into ministry. I'll pay it back by giving to ministry. I'll pay it back somehow by attending church or by being involved in a church or by reaching out. Some way, Lord, I'm going to find a way to pay that back. But we all know that no matter what we do, no matter how much good we do, it is not possible to pay it back. So what does the master do here in this situation? He forgives it all as if there was no debt at all. No installment plans were set up, no interest, no 90 days, same as cash. Nope, no one was going to go to jail for this. Nobody was going to be made a slave. All that racked up debt that had been building over years, suddenly with a snap of a finger, became as if it never existed. It gave this man a new lease on life, a fresh start. How many of you would like that for your finances? Financial Peace University. <laughs> Do it. Follow it. You'll be able to declare your debt free at some point. <laughs> Wouldn't we like to feel that burden lifted? Or maybe you've been there where that burden of debt has been lifted. Now, if we've accepted Christ, you have had that weight of your sin, that stuff that you've been carrying around on your shoulders, You've had it lifted, and you feel the freedom that comes with not being burdened by that sin from the past. So you think for this man that life was good, right? It gives him a fresh start. And you would think that this man would start off his new life and this new freedom in the best way possible. Maybe a thank you offering to God. He would go and offer, make an offering of sacrifice to the Lord who forgave all of that debt. Maybe there'd be excitement. He'd be sharing that testimony with everyone he knew that I owed 10,000 bags of silver and God paid for it all or the master paid for it all. He just said, you know what? You don't owe me a thing. But that's not what we hear from this servant. Let's see what he does this morning with that newfound grace that he's experienced. Matthew chapter 18, verses 28 through 31. The story continues. It says, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. I think it's an interesting point. Notice that real quick. Be patient with me. I will pay it back. 
aren't those the exact same words that that man just said to the guy he owed 10,000 bags of gold to? Same exact words. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So here we have this man who is singing, I'm a receiver. And he was receiving God's grace. And he experienced what it was like to be forgiven of everything. And instead of giving that same grace, he became a taker. Not just a receiver. He became a taker. His tune changed. He took, but he did not give. Karl Barth says it this way. He says, grace must find expression in life. Otherwise, it is not grace. Grace must find expression in life. Otherwise, it is not grace. In the history of church life, haven't we seen this play out? People come in and experience God's grace. They experience his forgiveness. They've been cleansed. They've been made new. They have a new lease on life. But it's human nature to take and not give. It's human nature to want people to give grace to you, but then not give that same grace to others. Remember the same words that were spoken by the slave, by the servant, and the man that owed him money? Same exact words, but he saw it differently when he was standing before the master, didn't he? Than when he heard it come from the other guy's mouth. See, churches have been split. Relationships have been broken over this very issue. If only grace was extended to others in the same way that we expect and that we receive it from God, maybe things would have been different. You know, we live in a pretty interesting season. And I want to say it this way, that you are here on this planet for a reason. There's a purpose in all the things that you're seeing and experiencing today. You are not here in this generation. You're not here at this time by accident. And we're coming upon an election season where COVID-19 and economy and all these other things that are historic things that people are going to the polls for. And in this poisonous political environment, can we extend the same grace that we've received? Can we extend the same grace that we've received? Can we extend grace to those we disagree with? Can we get back to agreeing to disagree and still remain friends? Are we beyond that? Wouldn't that bring glory to God? The apologetic pastor, speaker, had the opportunity to hear him when I was in college. His daughter, Naomi, was a couple years behind me at Wheaton. But Rabbi Zacharias just passed away not that long ago. One of the things, when you hear him speaking to people, he affirms their dignity as people. He never talks down to people. He never talked down to people. He never berated them. But he did show concern for who that person was and in humility would respond to their questions. That's what we at the church, as the church, need to be doing. As believers in Christ, we need to be responding with humility. What 
would it look like to extend grace to people in your life that have hurt you? You know them better than I do. You know the circumstances surrounding it. But to begin to extend grace in that situation. What about extending grace to people that we come into contact every day? What about extending grace to our police, to our teachers and school administrators? What about extending grace to restaurant workers or owners? And most importantly, extending grace to your insurance agent. Some of you will get that. (laughs) What if we went from attack mode to now giving grace? We are living in in the exact right time and place to show God's grace in a way that is tangible, in a way that is visible, in a way that is livable to the people around us. You've heard it said this way, and I've heard it said this way, the darker the night, the brighter light shines. It's another quote from Fyodor Dostoevsky from Crime and Punishment. He says, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. The deeper the grief, the closer is God. See, the darker things get around us, the more our light should shine the more that grace we should offer to others because we're doing something different than everybody else. Everybody else is okay with butting heads and being angry and yelling at people. That should not be so for the followers of Christ. When we think of mercy and we think of grace, they're a little bit different. Now, grace is just a little bit beyond mercy. We know the story of Ruth and Naomi where Ruth left everything behind to go with her mother-in-law, to be a part of her people, and to be with those people, and that their God would become her God. You see, mercy gave Ruth some food, but grace gave her a husband and a home. See how it goes from more than just mercy? Further. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance, but grace threw a party for him. Mercy prompted the good Samaritan to bind up the wounds of that person laying on the side of the road. But grace prompted him to leave his credit card and said, whatever charges come up, put it on my account. Mercy forgave the thief on the cross, but grace ushered him into paradise when he passed away, when he died. You see, mercy pardons us, but grace goes beyond just pardon and steps in and takes that mercy one step further And the end result in every one of our lives is experiencing God's grace. And we have to be careful not to find ourselves on the wrong side of this parable because that's not the end of the parable. That's not the end of the story. If we prefer to be like the ungrateful servant, being forgiven, but being unwilling to extend grace to others, the parable doesn't end well. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 through 35, The end of the story here, it says, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. You see, once grace has been extended to you, you become a receiver and you give it to others. 
Think of it this way. Think of it like a radio. What does a radio do? It receives and broadcasts so that everybody around it can hear what's being received. What do you call a radio that just receives and doesn't broadcast? Broken. Right? If it has a receiver but it's not broadcasting, you don't hear anything, it's a broken radio. So if you receive grace and you don't give it to others, you are like a broken radio. But if you receive grace and give it to others, if you give grudges and pass hurts to God, if you lay it all down at his feet today, he will extend his grace to you to even get through the moment, to even forgive, to even take that next step. You see, God will take the trash of your life and make it a masterpiece. Like a man named Vic Muniz did with the garbage pickers of the largest landfill in the world in Gramacho, Brazil, outside of Rio de Janeiro. Across the bay from the Christ the Redeemer statue, the Brazilian-born artist asked five workers to pose for portraits. Sulem, who was 18 years old, and she was a mother of two, has worked at the garbage dump since the age of seven. Isis is a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Irma cooks discarded produce over a large pot and sells it. Eunice took photos of their faces, and he enlarged them to the size of a basketball court. Then he outlined their faces with trash, all the things that they've been picking from those piles, bottle tops, cardboard, rubber tires, all of these things came together to form images. And then Muniz climbed a 30-foot ladder and took a picture overseeing that trash. It's become the second most popular exhibit in Brazilian history, second only to Pablo Picasso. And this is exactly what grace does in us. When we extend grace... When we give grace to others, it also shows them how valuable they are to a loving father. It takes the trash and the junk of our lives and makes it into something beautiful. One who takes the junk and makes it beautiful. This is how grace is received. This is how it is given. This is how grace transforms us, takes us from where we are to where we want to be. And that, my friends, is grace. That's grace. We receive grace. We give grace. We receive grace. We give grace. We receive grace. And we give grace. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today, or maybe even watching online, that would say this morning, I would like to receive that grace. I would like a new start. I'd like to be like that first servant that had everything forgiven and cleansed and wiped away. But I don't want to do what that servant did next. I want to be a receiver of his grace this morning and accept him into my life. If that's you today, whether you're sitting in your pew or whether you're online, online you can just write in the comments, pray for me today. And if you're here this morning, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do anything like that or call you forward. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there any other hand this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, God wants to do something new in your life today. He wants to make that junk of your life and turn it into, into something beautiful. 
He wants to take that burden of sin that you're carrying right now in this moment and take it off so that you can live with freedom under his grace. And that's all you have to do is just you can pray this in your heart this morning. The words aren't magical, but meaning it in your heart are. So you can say this to yourself. You can pray it out loud if you want to. But Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Make me fresh. I am in need of your grace today. Cleanse all of my past away and make me like new in Jesus' name. I pray that your saving grace would be at work today in my life, that you would take that weight off of me, that I'm no longer carrying that sin with me, but today I come just as I am to give my heart and my life and my soul to you. I'm committing it to you this morning. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for what you've done today in me taking this first step in my faith to experience your grace. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you pray that prayer, whether online or you prayed it here in this room, know that this is a first step to what God wants to do in you. God wants to bring a change in your heart and life and continue to make you new. And this morning, this, this church, of course, is here to help you with that. And we want to encourage you in that. Let's have everyone just stand today. Now, this morning, I've been at the close, praying a blessing over you. And we had that blessing given during the worship time. So this morning, rather than a blessing, I give you a charge that as you walk out of these doors, you would take and you would begin to enact it in your life. It's from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32. And this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. And I believe more than just the Ephesian church, but he's speaking to his church, the God's church the Christ church today. So let this word sink into you this morning and go out with this word as your charge. It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved at the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Can we all say amen? Amen. amen. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday.